What is your view of sex? When you hear that word, do you kind of bristle? Do you, do you cringe? Does it make you wish that you could crawl out of your own skin and hide away? Does it make you sweaty and get a little bit uncomfortable? Do you feel as if that word is something that is personal and private and the last place it should be discussed is by some pastor in a sermon on a Sunday morning? What is your view of sex? Do you view it like this? Like a beautifully wrapped gift with a, a matching bow tie or ribbon that, that has crisp, clean edges and is artfully taped. The kind of, of beautiful gift that is actually so wonderful, you almost kind of don't want to unwrap it. It's so nice. It's so wonderful. Is, is that how you view God's gift of sex? Or... Do you view it like, like this, a gift that eh, isn't quite as beautiful as the other one? Frankly, the, the wrapping job looks like somebody with ten thumbs and their eyes closed wrapped it. Not very crisp edges, it's torn, it's beaten up. Quite frankly, not only would you not want to open this, you might want to just discard this kind of, of gift. Which one better illustrates your view of sex? How do you view it? And then, maybe the more important question, how do you suppose God wants you to view his gift of sex? Now, I think we know the answer as far as how God would have us view it, but the sad reality is that for many of us, we probably see it much more like the second gift. And there are all kinds of sad, sometimes traumatic reasons for that. Addiction, assault, guilt, resentment, neglect. The list can go on and on. And, and for many of us it has and, and maybe even does. And that colors the way that we view this gift from God. And to recognize that is essential in any discussion on this topic because what that means is it's going to make it a difficult and challenging topic anytime we talk about it, anytime it's discussed for two reasons. One, because of some of those things that I listed, that means that this gift from God has caused many of us significant pain and hurt physically, emotionally, maybe even spiritually. And, and when something causes that kind of hurt or pain or suffering, we're more inclined just to, to avoid it, to not talk about it, to not bring it up. It's taboo. And so here we are as Christians who either in the past have been on the receiving end or maybe we have been the ones that have been guilty of causing that harm to somebody else, and because we know the damage, the injury, the hurt that it has caused, we just keep mum on it. 
And yet here's the rub. While we are hush-hush, the world is hollering all about this gift of God without acknowledging it as such. So while we're not talking about it, the world is, and I think we all know the world's view of it is not something to really be emulated. So not only does it cause a a, a small amount or significant maybe in some of our lives of pain and, and suffering, but here's the other reason it's a difficult and challenging topic to bring up. For whatever reason, the guilt that is associated with this sin tends to weigh more heavily on us than others. And for that reason, as we kind of continue with this discussion and an exploration of this escape, this way of coping uh, and self-medication today, we want to make sure that we have the absolute rock-solid assurance, the guarantee of where we stand before God, no matter what our past has held for us in regard to sexual immorality. And so we start by being reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, who who grabs our attention so much because, on the one hand, it's so alarming what he says about the reality of sexual immorality. But then listen to what comes after that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, he says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. The sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. Of God. But that's not where Paul stops. He goes on to say, and that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That is what you were but that is not who you are. In other words, whatever your past and and even your present has carried in relationship with this gift of God does not identify you, it does not disqualify you from being at peace with God because you were washed, you were sanctified, you have been justified, declared not guilty, and God knows your past and my past better than even we do. And so that isn't your identity. Rather, your identity is this, fully forgiven. And it's that full assurance of forgiveness then that allows us to tackle a tough topic like this one. Because we know that my past isn't going to separate me from God. We know that Christ's washing blood has has forgiven me, purified me, set me apart, and I'm at peace with him. And so we can discuss this difficult, this challenging subject in a way that seeks to honor and appreciate and uphold this gift from God and to see it for the treasure that it truly is. Which, as we all know, is not at all how the world views it. We do not want to take our lead from the way that that the world holds up this gift because the world actually is not interested in the forgiveness that God wants to lavish on us for any time this gift has been misused or abused. The world is not interested in that forgiveness. All the world is interested in is permission to steal this gift from God and use it however it wants to. 
regardless of the outcome or the consequences. Have you noticed in, in recent years uh, how different our society has treated celebrities than in the past? Do you remember back, I don't think it was that long ago, when uh, a celebrity, a, a movie star, an actor or an actress was actually held up because of the, the fine job of acting they did in a television series or a movie that, that stood out for us or a musician that, that wrote or sang or performed a song that, that really stood out and that's what they were praised for? before we got to where we're at today and the headlines that get all the hits are when we praise celebrities for coming out with whatever sexual preference or orientation that might be. And everybody praises that bravery as we coin new terms that we've never even heard before and when this gift of God is tarnished and trashed, the world celebrates it as something to be commended. In fact, it's gotten so ridiculous that I feel as if we aren't too far away that the most radical thing that's going to be very soon is if somebody comes out as a heterosexual. It's going to shock people when somebody's so brave to admit they like somebody of the opposite sex. And here's where else the world gets it wrong. It attaches its identity to sexual preference. That's what it wants to be known by. That's what it wants to be held up by. And the sad thing is that every time that is the view of this gift of sex, what actually ends up happening is it disgraces both the gift and the giver of that gift. And sadly, we do the same thing, disgrace both the gift and the giver of that gift when we treat sex like an escape. I think that becomes clear to us if we jump right to the tail end of the account of David and Bathsheba, which I'm going to assume we're relatively familiar with. And you look at the very closing verse from our first reading today. In Samuel uh, chapter 11, the very last verse of that chapter, we're told, but the thing David had done displeased the Lord. I don't know if there is a, a clearer indication of how broken and fallen our world is than this evidence of, of how this gift of sex has been treated, how demolished everything has been as a result of disobedience. And that becomes clear in that phrase, in that statement, this thing displeased the Lord. But as we hear that word, or as you have read through it, who knows how many times, do you treat that as if it's just a transition into the next chapter? Okay, what next? It, it kind of ties a nice bow on the end of the account of David and Bathsheba and, and slowly segues into the next one? Or do you hear that phrase? Do you hear that description that, that this thing that David did displeased the Lord and does it cause your, your heart to sink from your chest to your stomach? To know that this individual whom by God's grace, this, this runt of the litter shepherd boy, David, who was taken by God's grace and held up and appointed and chosen to be the king, the leader of his people, had fallen so far from grace. But let's shift now from 
Saul's successor, David, to self. Does that phrase, does it, does it crush us with, with guilt? Does it even prick our, our conscience at all to hear that phrase? Is it even a blip on our radar to consider that what we do when we mistreat, when we abuse this gift from God, displeases the Lord? Now, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but I'll tell you, there's a, another way to evaluate this scenario. If, if it doesn't bother us, if it doesn't trouble us, that abusing or misusing this gift from God displeases the Lord, if that causes you no trouble, then that itself ought to trouble you greatly. Because you're standing on very shaky ground. To not be bothered at all by the fact that your misusing of this gift of God displeases Him. Because it does just that. The sad reality is that all of us have a track record. All of us have, have taken this gift from God, which He has guided us with in, in using it the appropriate way, in a way that honors Him, and in a way that brings Him glory, and we have trashed it. And we have tarnished it. Does it trouble us to consider that those same words in that scenario apply to us? This thing that I have done displeases the Lord. Imagine if, if somebody gave the gift, uh, gave a, a, a gun, a handgun, a, a rifle to somebody who was a hunter who enjoyed hunting, or to somebody who just had a collection of handguns or just enjoyed going to the shooting range for target practice. That giver of that gift would assume that that gift would put a smile on the face of the one who had received it. That's what it was intended to do. And maybe that person who enjoys hunting would use that, that gun on the next time that they planned a hunting trip or take it out to the shooting range the next time that it was used, next time they went out. But what if... What if this, this gift, this gun, ended up being used as the weapon in a school shooting or a murder? How do you think the giver of that gift would feel? I think we know. Absolutely mortified, absolutely wretched, filled with regret and remorse and feeling horrible about how this gift that was intended to put a smile on somebody's face instead would be the source of so much sorrow and sadness and pain and suffering. So it is with God who has given us this good and pleasing gift. A gift that he gave to be intended to be a blessing to marriage, but instead is a, a blight when it is misused and abused, a, a way that husbands and wives can connect and enjoy pleasure and, and, and can bear children and all of these good gifts that God wants to give to his people. But then when that gift is misused, when it's trashed, look at the damage it does. And I don't need to list them all because it's probably as long a list as any sin could probably include when we talk about sexual sins and the way they manifest themselves. There are myriad ways to take this gift and trash it. 
and to stop and think that every time we see this gift trashed in the world, it ought to cause our heart, our hearts to ache. And not only that, not only when we see the world misuse this gift, but to know that when I have done that, that it causes the same displeasure in the Lord that was expressed over David's sin with Bathsheba. So what we need to do is, is go back. Not all the way back to David, but rather to David's son. The greater David, the son of David, Jesus Christ himself. And we compare those two. We see how this thing that David had done displeased the Lord, but listen to the son of David and the reaction that the father has about the son, a reaction that he manifested twice in Jesus' ministry, once at the beginning and once at the end at his baptism and transfiguration. The father said about his son, the second David, this is my son whom I love With him I am well pleased. Jesus Christ accomplished for us, for David, for all people, what David never could. He pleased the Father perfectly. So in place of David who displeased the Lord, Jesus has perfectly pleased him. And he did that by by keeping up his whole life of purity, the way that, that God demanded, that he expected. But not only that, he also went to the cross to cover our sins, every sexual sin that has displeased the Lord. See what a difference it makes to have Jesus in this equation when we are considering this gift that God has given to us because it means that we start with a clean slate. It means that we are washed. It means that we are actually free from being enslaved by this. It means that this is a gift that that doesn't have to do damage but can bring delight, that doesn't promise some empty escape but promises joy and pleasure and blessing when it's used and guarded the way that God intended it to be. And we have that confidence because what David could never do, Jesus did for us. Perfectly pleased the Father and has set us free from being enslaved by this escape that when used the wrong way is only going to cause harm and damage and only cause our Father's heart to ache but we've been forgiven and washed from all of that. And so we can, we can, coupled with that forgiveness and that grace, we can revisit the same questions we've asked ourselves throughout this series to, to have an honest and open evaluation of our relationship with God's gift of sex. I can ask, is this something that I need? Is this a problem that, that I am uncomfortable discussing with a brother or sister in Christ? Am I turning to this as an escape for short-term satisfaction while avoiding a long-term solution? Am I looking to this gift from God, something in creation to satisfy me in a way that only the Creator truly ever can? And we can be real about the answers to those questions because no matter what the answer is, it doesn't change our status before God. Jesus pleased the Father. Jesus has paid for our forgiveness. He has washed us clean. 
which means we are free from being enslaved to this escape and able to then view this blessing of sex as God intended it to be, a treasured gift. Amen.